Nathan. A good Thursday to all of you. Thanks for joining me as always. It is much appreciated. Coming up, we'll tell you why Robert Kraft will be forced, and yes, I said forced, to spend this offseason. Good news for Patriots fans who might be concerned about that. But we start with the current QB1. We have some eye-opening numbers that you do not want to miss. Numbers that you are going to get on this podcast that you will get nowhere else today. I promise you that. This is not going to be a Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi conversation. Mac Jones is broken. He's benched. He's old news right now. So this is not Mac versus Zappi. This is just looking at Bailey Zappi and trying to figure out whether or not he is a true QB1, somebody the Patriots can depend upon in the future, somebody you look at in 2024 and say, that's our starting quarterback. That's what we're talking about. To start off, anything is possible. Kevin Garnett told us that years ago. And I think when you look at quarterbacks around the league, there is no true defined guaranteed way of finding that guy. There's just not. Yes, you can draft that guy at the top of the draft like Joe Burrow. You can move up to draft somebody like Patrick Mahomes. You can go out and find somebody in the middle rounds like Dak Prescott. You can even make Mr. Irrelevant a starting quarterback in the league. Latest example, as we've seen, Brock Purdy. So there is no true and tried way of finding that guy. And I'm not going to write off anybody. I don't believe in writing off anybody. I love underdog stories and Cinderella stories. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there is no way on God's green earth that Bailey Zappi is not going to be a starting quarterback. I'm not going to tell you that. I keep it open, at least for now. It's an inexact science of evaluation. We've seen that time and time and time again. Now, before I get into the numbers that you don't want to miss, because I did some work in the lab last night, here are the pros that we've seen from Zappi. Let's be fair to Zappi and give you the pros. He has improved versus pressure steadily. Under pressure versus Denver, according to Pat's pulpit spurned Buckmasser, Zappi went 9 of 13 for 115 yards and a touchdown. And if you look at his numbers against pressure, he has done better each and every week he's been out there. So I give him credit for that. He has shown tremendous poise a number of times since he's been starting for the Patriots. He hasn't been shook as often as Mac was. He looks like a guy who's under control for the most part. So that's been good. He is more prone, absolutely, to make plays off platform, manipulate the pocket, extend plays. We saw it with the Gasicki touchdown. We saw it with the Pop Douglas play on Christmas Eve night. So he has shown the ability to do that. And, of course, he's won. Bailey Zappi, as a starting quarterback, is 4-2 and two with the Patriots. But I am not there yet with Zappi. And I am not close to being there yet with Zappi. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Bailey Zappi is QB1. I'm not telling you he's QB1 two weeks from now. I'm not telling you he's QB1 two months from now. I'm not telling you he's QB1 two years from now. I'm not there yet. The ebbs and the flows are a real thing. Starting quarterbacks do not go up and down dramatically like we've seen Zappi do. First half against Denver was okay. It was good. It was fine. Greg Bedard says he doesn't think it was even that good. Second half was excellent. This is the trend with Zappi. He's had one okay half or good half or even very good half, and then he'll have another half that is a disaster. And when you have a starting quarterback, a guy that you are truly going to sit there and say, that's our franchise, you need consistency. 
You need someone who's not going to completely fall off a cliff in the second half of a football game. You don't need somebody who's going to throw that pick against Kansas City straight out of the locker room at halftime. You don't need that guy, right? So you need consistency if you're going to believe that any quarterback at the NFL level is going to be a true starting quarterback. Context also matters. Let's get into the context. Let's get into the numbers. These are numbers you're not going to get anywhere else today but right here. When we talk about Boston sports talk done different, it's not just a tagline. This is the meaning of it. We will give you more context. We'll give you more to think about. So here's what I have for you regarding Bailey Zappi. If you look at the drives from Zappi as QB1, and this is not counting the end-of-half drives or the end-of-game drives that had four downs or less because, let's be honest, those things don't really matter. You, You take a knee at the end of a half. You hand the football off at the end of a half. It's the end of the game. You're in desperation mode. You get two downs. Nothing happens. I'm not counting those. So QB1 drives for Zappi, not counting end-of-halves or end-of-game drives with, you know, four downs or less. Zappi's had 48 drives as QB1, 48 drives. How many of those? Comment to me right now. I'm going to play a game with all of you. How many of the 48 drives that Bailey Zappi has led as QB1 since he took over? We're not looking at when he came in in the middle of a game. We're not looking at the Germany game when he came in late. How many of the 48 drives that Zappi has led as true QB1 have gone three and out? How many of those 48 drives do you think? Meanwhile, Mike Pyle asks us, don't forget to comment. Do you think they will go after Russell Wilson? I do not think so. Now, he could be a bridge. He could be a competition quarterback, but he's going to be looking for money. I don't think the Patriots will pay Russell Wilson what he wants to, you know, be a mediocre QB. Ike Ikerson jumps in, says, hey, just stopped in a thumbs up. We'll listen later. I appreciate that. That's always an option for you if you can't watch this entire show live. You could just pop in and say something, give us a thumbs up and move on and catch it later on in the day. And don't forget to give us those likes because they mean the world to us. More likes means more thumbs. I will get to the numbers in a minute. I promise you. More likes, comments, subscriptions. Let's bump those subscriptions up as we try to build this community. Okay, so how many of the 48 drives that Bailey Zappi has led have ended in a three and out? Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Doug jumps in and Doug guests 27. Doug, you're a little bit too high. 21 of the 48 drives that Zappi has had as QB1 with this football team have ended with a three and out. That's 43.7% of the drives. Almost 44% of all the drives that Zappi has led since he took over for Mac Jones have ended in a three and out. Now, when you look at the drives that ended in a turnover, or how about drives that, you know, was a turnover on downs, a four and out, so to speak. Zappi has had five drives end in a turnover or a turnover on downs. So when you look at the big picture here, 
Bailey Zappi as quarterback one has had 48 drives for the Patriots since he took over for Mac. On 26 of those drives, he has ended up finishing with a three and out, a turnover, or a turnover on downs 26 times. What that means is 54% of the time when Zappi's on the field, you are going to have a three and out, a turnover, or a turnover on downs. That's not good. More than 50% of the time, your drive is going to stink with Bailey Zappi as your starting quarterback. That's what we've seen so far. I'm giving you the sample of what we've seen up to this point. How about touchdowns? Let's talk touchdowns. Bailey Zappi has led seven touchdown drives since he's taken over for Mac Jones, seven of them. How many of those drives do you think started on the plus side of the field, which means how many of those touchdown drives of those seven that Zappi has had, how many of those drives do you believe started on the opposite field, right? On the plus side of the field, on the opposition side of the field. How many of those do you think began on that side of the field? Mike Pyle jumps in. He's got a guess. He says five. Close, close. Three of the seven, three of the seven touchdown drives from Bailey Zappi have started on the other side of the 50-yard line. He had a touchdown drive of 11 yards. He had a touchdown drive of 29 yards. And he had a touchdown drive of 42 yards. Almost 43% of Bailey Zappi's touchdown drives have happened on the opposite side of the 50-yard line, on the plus side. We're not talking about somebody who is consistently driving 70, 75, 80 yards for touchdowns. That's not what we're seeing. So again, when you look at Zappi, 54% of his drives as QB1 have ended in a three and out, a turnover, or a turnover on downs. 42.8% of his touchdown drives have started on the other side of the 50-yard line. But wait, there's more. Roscoe on a score 34 says, whoa, not good, Zappy. Hopefully these numbers are kind of eye-opening. It's not to tell you that Zappy can't sit back and, and win games. It's not to sit here and tell you that Zappy will never be a starting quarterback again. I hope for the great stories. That's why I watch sports. I root. I root for guys. I root for teams, right? So maybe he ends up being a Cinderella story. Maybe he ends up shutting everybody up and proving that he's a QB1. This is just to give you the proper context because people get wrapped up in the big plays. They get wrapped up in the sexy play to Pop Douglas. They get wrapped up in the sexy play to Mike Kosicki for the touchdown. And, and what they don't do is look at the totality of how somebody is actually performing. They will rip Mac Jones, and rightfully so, for the truly awful plays. But they won't give him credit for the second quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles when he was absolutely on fire. They won't give him credit for the drive against the commanders. That would have put them in field goal range if Juju could catch a football. So let's just look at it and be fair in totality. And that's what we're looking at. Mo Flora jumps in and says, when evaluating Zappi, we should try and project what might happen with a better O-line. Great job, Nick. That's, of course, part of the you know equation here is the offensive line and the injuries and all of that. And we, we absolutely include that context. Nicholas Lynn says, finally getting into the live while at work. Well, thank you, Nicholas, for watching the show while working. Okay, now here's, here's another set of numbers that might rock your freaking world. 
Just forget everything that you've heard as far as narratives with Bailey Zappi. Just forget all of the hyperbole. Forget all of the Mac versus Zappi comparisons and try to erase all of that from your mind right now, okay? Three, two, one, erase it. Do you know how many points per game offensively the Patriots have scored with Bailey Zappi as QB1? Without that special teams touchdown against the Denver Broncos, the Patriots have scored 14.25 points per game with Zappi as QB1 since he took over for Mac Jones. Do you know where that would rank the Patriots? That would rank the Patriots dead ass last in the NFL. Behind the Giants. The Giants average 14.3 points per game. They're 31st in the league. Patriots, with Bailey Zappi as QB1, are scoring just over 14 points a game. When you take out that defensive slash special teams touchdown that we saw on Christmas Eve. Do you know how many points the Patriots scored with Mac Jones as your QB1? Again, it was 14.25 with Zappi so far. With Mac Jones as your starting quarterback, the Patriots offense averaged 13.45 points per game. We are talking about less than one point per game more offensively with Zappi than with Mac Jones. And that's with Mac Jones being completely broken. That's with Mac Jones being truly awful, hideous against Dallas and hideous against the Saints and not good against the Colts at all and not good against the Giants. At the very worst of Mac Jones, this team, through a, a bigger sample size, was scoring almost as many points as they've scored with Bailey Zappi as QB1. Perception is a hell of a thing, isn't it? What you think is happening might actually not be happening. Whoa. 14 and a quarter points per game offensively with Zappi, almost 13 and a half points per game with Mac. The Grizz 15 says, why are we evaluating Zappi with a full cast of real O-line and receivers, but pretending Mac would benefit from this? Uh, look, uh, it's rather easy to me. Again, I'm not going to get into the Mac Jones stuff. This is not Mac versus Zappi. This is just looking at Zappi and how truly much better this team has been offensively with Zappi than it was with a broken quarterback. People continue to want to talk about Mac. It's like this sickness. It really truly is. Mac Jones has been benched. He's probably never playing again for the Patriots unless Zappi gets hurt over the next two weeks. This is just looking at Zappi. The offensive line has not been good. It wasn't good for Mac. It wasn't good for Zappi. The weapons are not good. They haven't been very good for Zappi. They weren't very good for Mac Jones. The running game has not been great for either quarterback. I'm just looking at Zappi. And what I'm telling you is, with a broken QB, with a guy who was playing the worst quarterback in all of football, the offense has not improved that much from that point, from that very bottom rung. It's 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 just it's it's simple. It's really simple. What we're trying to do is we're trying to look at Zappy as the starting quarterback of this football team and what kind of impact he's truly had. There's no doubt he's turned the football over a lot less. 
There's no doubt he's come up with some big plays by extending plays. There's no doubt about that. But when you look at the total impact, it really hasn't been much, folks. It really hasn't been much. This offense is still not good. And when we look at whether or not Zappi should be a quarterback that we can believe in in 2024, this has to be part of the conversation. Has to be. The level of play is not much different. Do you see a consistent special trait from Zappi? Early on, maybe you could say his confidence, his swag. Maybe you could say his ability to manipulate the pocket. But I think we've seen other quarterbacks have that ability, and then that ability gets erased, or they try to do too much, and they fall into some trouble. More thoughts on Zappi in a minute. Like, comment, subscribe. More thumbs up means more eyeballs to the product, and that's what we need to continue to survive here with the Nick Cattle Show. More likes, more eyeballs. Don't forget to comment like the Grizz, like Mike, like others, and do not forget to click that subscribe button. And if you hit the notify, you'll get notified every time we go live. So do those three things for me. I would much appreciate it. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Pods, rate, review, and comment. A couple of other things that you know make me wonder if Zappy truly has it or not. And again, I'm not there yet. I'm not close to being there yet with Zappy. And I gave you some numbers as to why, but he's also inaccurate in the short and intermediate areas. You know, the, the easy plays, so to speak, he misses on a number of those. And so he's relying on making the big play. And, and that's not always easy. And that's not how you are efficient. And that's why some of these efficiency analytics that you see they tell you that Zappi is actually less efficient than Mac Jones. It's because of that. It's because of, you know, Bailey hits the occasional big play. It's great. But from down to down, play to play, he hasn't been consistent. And that proves, you know, through the numbers that I've shared. By the way, Amadrock, listening from Sacramento. Good show. I appreciate you, Amadrock. I remember you, remember you from the uh, Sacramento days. Thanks for jumping in early early out there on the West Coast. I appreciate all of you. And the sample size is just way too small to make any leaps. And that's why I leave the door open for Zappy to possibly be a QB1 down the road. I'm not going to completely write it off. But when you look at the when you look at the sample size, let's not forget a guy like Matt Flynn. Do you remember Matt Flynn? If you don't remember Matt Flynn, he was a quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Flynn came into a game against Detroit January 1st, 2012. So almost 12 years ago to the day. And Matt Flynn threw for 480 yards and six touchdowns. And everybody was going bananas about Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn then got in in 2013. After he threw the six touchdowns against Detroit, the next season in 2013, Matt Flynn still backup quarterback for the Packers. He got into six games in 2013, which weirdly enough is the same amount of career starts for Zappi, right? Who's four and two. Matt Flynn, in the six games that he started as the Packers quarterback, completed 62% of his passes, threw for 1,373 yards, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. His quarterback rating was almost an 86. He was out of football after 2014. Out of football after 2014. 2012, guy threw six touchdowns against Detroit. 2013, he played pretty well. After 2014, he was erased from the league. So there are stories. Sam Howell just got benched 
for Jacoby Brissett. How many people when the Patriots were playing Washington said, oh, I'd love to have Sam Howell. I'm not writing Sam Howell off. But usually what you see, Taylor Heineke, we can sit here and name a ton of these quarterbacks. What you see from guys who go up and down are that they are career backup quarterbacks if they can even stay in the league. You need consistency from beginning to end from a quarterback week in and week out before you can say that guy is the guy. Flying Elvis has his answer. No! It's pretty simple. <laughs> Evan says, would a new GM and coach want to give Mac another shot if we got some O-line help and playmakers? It's one of the interesting questions of this offseason. I don't think Mac comes back. I think we're at the point now where Mac needs a, a reset, different place, different organization, different vibes. Uh, he might even need a full year as a backup to, tr to truly get back to, you know, a confidence level that might open the door for him to be a starter one day. But I wouldn't completely throw it out because he's going to make less than, what is it, around $3 million next year? I wouldn't completely throw it out. But right now, if you were to ask me, I'd say Zappi has done enough to believe he can be your quarterback too next year. You trade Mac Jones, and then you try to find that new starter who can begin a new era. Aaron jumps in and says, Zappy got cut, couldn't beat out Jones in practice for the starting job. Please pump the brakes on Zappy Pats fans. We need a real quarterback next year. Yes, don't forget that he was cut. Nobody wanted to pick him up. And also don't forget that back in Vegas, Malik Cunningham was activated as the QB2 ahead of Zappy. So I'm rooting for him because it's a great story. And by the way, it would be great for the Patriots if Zappi was a quarterback one because he's going to make like no money next year. And then you could devote all of your resources to helping the offensive line and wide receiver and do some things. I just, from what I've seen so far, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. He beat a very mediocre Pittsburgh team. He beat a Denver team that was just dead on arrival for the first three quarters of that game who just benched Russell Wilson. Failed to score any points against the Chargers and had a second half that was brutal against the Chiefs. So it's just been up and down. All right. Many are concerned about the lack of spending from Robert Kraft and how that might impact this offseason. What if we told you that Kraft has to spend money this offseason? Mike Giardi wrote this at Boston Sports Journal. Based on the team's current contractual commitments, they have less than $118 million committed to next season's roster. Considering the salary cap is projected to hit somewhere around $240 million, that's a lot of cash that needs to be spent, especially considering the 90% rule. Now, salary cap-wise, teams need to spend up to 90% in cash from 24 to 26. Giardi writes, to define further, cash spending is money paid out during the season, whereas cap spending includes money that has been paid but can be prorated over several years. Ipso facto, Giardi writes, if the Patriots were to get to the 90% floor for 2024, they would need to shell out almost 100 million real dollars for the upcoming season. So this is a mandate from the league, folks you have to spend up to 90%. The Patriots, with all of the free agents coming off of the books for this offseason, along with the cap going up in the NFL, is going to force the hand of Robert Kraft. 
So if you're in the camp of Robert Kraft never spends money, Robert Kraft is the reason why this team hasn't done, erase all of that because this offseason, the Patriots will have to spend money. They have to spend a bunch of money to get to that 90% number because so many guys are coming off of the books. So it doesn't matter what Kraft likes, loves, hates, whatever. It doesn't matter. Kraft has to meet this mandate from the NFL, just like every owner has to meet the mandate from the NFL. They have to spend to 90%. So if you're worried about spending, don't be worried. There's literally no excuse for not spending. They have to do it, which means the Patriots will at least have a top nine pick, hopefully top three or four. They'll have tons of money to spend, which tells me that this football operations GM job, if Belichick is gone like we expect him to be, that GM job is going to be very desirable. It's going to be very, very sexy. People around the league are going to look at that Patriots gig and say, wait a minute, I can pick the quarterback. I'm going to have all of this money to spend. And I have a great pick. Steady ownership, a fan base that loves football, that packs the stadium when the team is winning, especially. Like, I think this puts in perspective how sexy of a gig this can be. And I also think if you're craft and you know you have to spend this money, the last time this was the case that you had to spend the money was back in 2021. And that should be a warning because we know that Belichick swung and missed on a number of free agents during that offseason. So are you willing to give the keys to Belichick? When you have to spend this much money in the offseason, do you trust Belichick to be the guy to make those calls when he signed John U. Smith and Nelson Aguilar? When he went out and signed Juju Smith-Schuster and let Jacoby Myers walk, it would not spend an, an extra couple of million on DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to have that money to spend. Do you trust him to spend it? Thumbs up, like, comment, subscribe. All of those things mean an awful lot to this show. Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review. Mason Daly jumps in and says, we need a quarterback. Yes, I agree. We need a quarterback. Flying Elvis again jumps in and says, NFL team, GM with Belichick, catastrophic moves over the last four years. Any of those guys would be fired. Tough to argue. What also is interesting with all of this money that has to be spent, there have reportedly been no conversations with Michael Wenu. There have been no conversations with Kyle Duggar. There have been no conversations with Josh Uche. So even though you've got to spend all of this money in the offseason, the guys that you have on your team right now, on this roster right now, that you would think you would like to extend or maybe even at least entertain the idea, none of those guys have really had conversations in the last several months with anybody with the Patriots' front office. With this money having to be spent, extend Christian Barmore. As soon as freaking possible. Barmore is extension eligible this offseason. Make a statement. Barmore is playing at an all-pro level. He has been a stud for more than two months. He has been one of the best interior defensive linemen in football. That is a guy that you pay. Make a statement. Pay one of your players. Get it done. Pay one of the guys that you drafted, that you developed, that is becoming a stud in front of your eyes. Pay Barmore this offseason. Give him the extension. Derek says, go quarterback with the top pick. And yes, if you're watching on Twitter slash X, we can now pull your comments up on the stream, which is awesome. Thank you, Derek, for watching and for commenting. 
no matter how much money you have to spend, don't forget, it's about three things to me this offseason. It's about allocation of resources. It's not how much money you have to spend. It's also how you spend that money. Be aggressive. Don't sit around. Don't wait for other teams. Don't sit back and say, oh, see if you can get something better. If you want to keep Kyle Duggar, then you pay Kyle Duggar. If you want to keep Michael Wenu, then you pay him the money. Don't let him walk out the door and go get a better deal. Be aggressive. Show some urgency. Show some urgency to this offseason because you need it. At best, you can win six games this year. You need a reset offensively. Be aggressive, be urgent, and be smart with the allocation. Some big decisions coming up this offseason. All right, quick couple minutes on the Bruins. Bruins win at Buffalo last night 4-1. Uh, there were just tons of whistles. Whistle happy from the crew. 11 penalties were called. Uh, the Bruins had six. Sabres had five. And really the story of the game as you watched it, it was special teams, six for six on the penalty kill. They had to kill off the Marshan penalty and the unsportsmanlike conduct, which I didn't like either of those calls, but they had to kill off that four-minute power play. Uh, there was a forever long power play. Late in the second period, they killed off. Uh, on their own power play, Bruins went three for four, and the only miss was at the end of the game when they weren't truly trying to score there. Uh, and when you look at this, Charlie Coyle, two goals. Morgan Geeky scored a goal. He's been tremendous. Geeky has been tremendous for at least the last few weeks. Lowry had a nice goal, aggressive to the net early on in this game. But the issue remains, wings, secondary scoring. Secondary scoring for this Bruins team is a weakness. We all see it. They had one five-on-five goal last night. They have 64 five-on-five goals this year. It's not enough. You can't just live off of the power play. You can't do it. Because of this offense, because of the lack of secondary scoring, you're also lacking possession time in your own zone. Limited offensive zone time puts pressure on the defense. Defense gets leaky. The goaltenders, who were terrific when they're not getting a barrage of shots at them every five seconds, they start to play less effectively because of that. So you're hurting your strength. So they have to get that secondary scoring going from the wings. DeBrusque had two assists last night. Hopefully that gets him going. 13 points in 32 games, it's not going to do it. Do you know that DeBrusque, three of his four goals happened in like one week in November? Three of his four goals this year happened in like a, an eight or nine day span in November. DeBrusque needs to be better, especially the way this team is built. Now, Zaka last night to the wing, Geeky, Frederick at center. Maybe when Patra returns, you can move Geeky to the wing permanently. You don't have a first-round pick coming up this year because of the Bertuzzi trade, so you need to find ways. Maybe Georgie Merkulov from Providence is the answer. He's had a dynamite scoring season. Maybe you bring him up for a spark but they need better secondary scoring. All right, let's jump in here quickly. Paul Ratnage says, Hi, Nick, watching in England. Love it when people comment from other countries. I love it. Watching from England, do you think that the quarterbacks have missed having a veteran quarterback for advice and knowledge to help and fall back on? Pat's fan since 1982. Um, look, I, I think a veteran could help in spots with confidence and all of that, but this was really an offensive line issue. Uh, Paul, it was a lack of of wide receiver talent issue. You have a quarterback that, you know, is not supremely athletic. He doesn't have any truly special trait. And you start the season with somebody who's, you know, going to be a pocket passing quarterback and you give him an offensive line 
who is incredibly leaky. You give them weapons that can't get open quick enough. You get a run game that's in trouble because of all of that. Uh, it, it was it was just a mess. It was just a mess. All right, so that'll do it on this Thursday. I appreciate every single one of you for joining me. Hopefully you enjoyed the numbers regarding Bailey Zappi, and it gives you some really good context to work with. You learn that Robert Kraft has to spend this offseason, which is a good thing for the Patriots, and we slid in some Bs. We'll be back tomorrow. Of course, it's a football Friday, 11 a.m. sharp here on YouTube. We will preview the Bills game, and we'll have a lot more than that. Uh, until then, though, enjoy yourself. Have fun. Be safe. It is the Nick Cattle Show.